sermon series in uh, Colossians, and um, and Galen uh, is doing something that is smart. So maybe you could also I can kind of encourage you to do that as well, because the uh, the parts of the sermons are very small at this point in time. So it's good not to lose um, lose overview. So once in a while, it's good to read the whole thing again. It's good to maybe listen to it as well. And so that, uh, yeah, that you'll be encouraged to ha- see that it's that it's a whole. And just recapping just a little bit, it's uh, uh, Paul is showing them from the beginning. He's saying how much he loves them. He is saying how much he's praying for them how much he rejoices in suffering for them. He also shows a, an amazing picture of who Jesus is um, and uh, to, to them and how they can be motivated by who Jesus is. And that's also going to be the part of what we're talking about today. And But but coming into today, we have to remember what we talked about last time as well. Um, and because it comes, you know, it comes, it all flows out of where we came from. Um, so today, we're going to talk about putting sin to death and taking off, take, putting off and putting on. And that's going to, the putting on is going to continue next week. Um, so, yeah, so what we talked about last time and also uh, both Myers and uh, Kathleen reminded us about it, we were dead but rose again in Jesus. Therefore, we can, we can count ourselves to death as dead to the world. I've used this illustration before. There was somebody who was asking why a family would go to southern Sudan to be missionaries and take their children. They were concerned for their children. The parents said, we are already dead. It's just to encourage us that if we keep holding on to things of this world, we might forget to see what God is doing in and through us. So if we count ourselves dead to this life, but alive in Christ, then we might have eyes and ears to see what he has for us. So that's what we come out of. Uh, not, a, not a wish to die, but understanding that we did die and we rose so we can live in Christ. So you can take your Bibles and you can also follow along and you can turn to Colossians 3 and we will read 3, 5 through 11. Put to to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too, you in these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. 
Here, there is not Greek, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. This is the word of the Lord. So today, oh man, that was awesome. Oh, it's a lot bigger up there. That's good. Um, so today we're going to talk about putting sin to death because that's what uh, Paul says. He says in, in 5, it's the first part, put to death, therefore is earthly in you. And then he starts mentioning a whole bunch of things. In our series in Colossians, I have a... I've chosen not to bring in verses from all sorts of other places. So I've uh, chosen just to stay in Colossians and not pig in, but here would be Romans, all, all lots of other things where Paul talks about the same. And so we can talk about that, but I've chosen not to jump around, but keep us in the text. So we'll go through, through that today. What does it mean to put to death Sin. Um, and how do we even do? How do we even? How do we do that? I think there's a few ways that we have to ag- acknowledge. Or uh, <laughs> that's the first part. First, we have to acknowledge that sin is sin. I think one of the tricks we have on ourselves or even the evil one is to say, well, it's not really sin. It's just something I struggle with. It's just a bent of my personality or something like that. Because we cannot deal with sin and we definitely can't kill it if we won't recognize that it is actually sin. There's an old man, well, he's dead a long time ago. (laughs) He wrote uh, the mortification of sin, to to put to death sin. So how, how is that even possible? And before it wasn't possible, because before we knew who Jesus was, we were in bound bondage and enslaved to sin. So sin had us. But through Christ we can be set free. So the bonds are broken and we're now free. So now in Christ we can actually kill our sin. And or our selfish idolatry, idolatrous acts. But how? Well the first point is that we do have to acknowledge what sin is. So what do I say? This is actually sin, what I've done. We confess and rep- repent. We ask maybe to have other people come in to pray for us, to remind us of what the gospel is, that we are free to put sin to death. Because of Jesus' works for us. So some people, well, sin has actually disappeared almost from the Danish language. 
so sin is not really called sin, it's called also to other things. Um, so some people might find it hard to call sin, sin. Um, or we might hide it or call it something different. I've already said these things. <laughs> That's point two. Um, but there's so much freedom in exposing our sin because then we disarm the evil one of accusations. If we keep things in the dark, they will grow and grow and grow. But if we expose them into the light, then the, the enemy can't say, oh, you're like this and this and this and this and this and this. You're just like, yeah, I know. And it's sin and I don't want to do it. I want other people to help me to stop do this. I want this to die. There's these, uh, there's a picture. There's a picture of instead of killing sin, we might want to manage our sin or tame our sin. Uh, but no, it needs to die. I think I have the slide there. So this is from John Owen. Do you modify? Do you make it your daily work? Be always at it with your life. Seize not daily from this work. Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. So there's this picture of like, oh, I'll manage my sin. I'll try to do better. Or I'll tame my sin. But sin is like an uncontrollable animal that will turn around and kill you when you think you have it tamed. So some people struggle call sin, sin. People, some people are very good at confessing. They might even be a little bit too good. They're like, what do you mean? Well, there's people who would always say, hey, I'm so sorry, can you forgive me? And he's like, yeah, I forgive, you I, I forgive you because Jesus Christ, you know, he dies on the cross, I forgive you. But then you would, they would do the same to you next week. And they would apologize again. And then you start getting confused. Because confession is not killing sin. It's the first part. But to kill sin... We have to want to kill it and not hold on to it. And then you might say, but why on earth would we want to hold on to something that destroys us, that always hurts us and others, but that we know leads to death and takes away our joy and freedom that the Lord has given us Christ? There are just some illustrations from the world is smoking and drugs. We know that they're not good for us. But sometimes it's very difficult to give them up. Another one, maybe not as obvious, is my need to be in control of everything. Or you need to be in control of everything. There's only one who is in control of everything. That is God. 
every time we take an attribute of God and put that on ourselves in the in the highest, utmost, then we are being our own God and rebelling against God. So if my longing for control is so much that I'm unwilling to give that control to God, I have made myself God. And those things can be very difficult to give away It could also be perfectionism. There's only one person who is perfect. His name is Jesus Christ. To submit into his perfection instead of striving it for ourselves. So all of those things... You will find this symptomatic in our culture. Worry, stress, anxiety, anger, wrath are all symptoms that we have made ourselves God. People would say, you know, but I'm just a little bit of an anxious person. I am what you would call a worrier. Well, me, I'm just angry because I think everything's unfair. Those are all symptoms that we have taken upon ourselves to be God. The symptoms expose that we've done that. Are we really willing to kill those things? Are we willing to let go of control? Am I willing to let go of my anger? Am I willing to give God my worry and my anxiety? Is my stress and perfectionism out of me wanting to be God? Then those things are sinful and need to die. Most of the time when we don't want to kill our sin and we excuse it is because we think we're a better God than the Almighty. We don't say that because we're Christians. But that's that's what's in our heart. It's rebellion. We can only kill sin if we're willing to let it die. How do we do that? All other ways of mortification are vain. All helps leaves us helpless. It must be done by the Spirit. My sermons are never to have you do better or try harder. Because you hear that enough outside of a 
outside of the church. My sermon is always an invitation into God, into Jesus. Come in. Come closer. Trust in me. The way is way better. The sin you hold so on to is becoming your own prison. I've come so you will be free. The thing is that we can only really change, not by just getting more information, but by the Holy Spirit changing our hearts, opening our eyes to see and know that Jesus is truly better than whatever sin we keep holding on to. And then it is no problem to put that sin on the table and smash it to pieces when we know Jesus is worth more. I pray and hope that you have already experienced that many, many times in your life. That there's been areas where like, oh, it's so hard to give up, but then when you did, you were so much more free. And you saw Jesus as so much more beautiful and amazing. And you saw that when you gave that up, you got more life, you got more joy. But of course, it can be very difficult. In our world, there's of uh, diagnosis and all sorts of things that lots of people would even be defined by their sins. It would be very difficult if you say, I am an, and then mention sin. But I want to encourage you, no, you're not. Your primary identity, if you are in Christ Jesus, is that you are a child of God. You are not your sin. I was devastated when some of my friends um, continued to would not listen and continued to identify with their sicknesses instead of believing what was true about them. But that's what can make it so hard. What if my sin is part of my identity? It can be a huge change to change then. That's what might be why you want to hold on to it. But no, just... It is so much better. It is so much better that your primary identity is who Jesus says you are, not whatever you are trying to hold on to. Because that will become your prison. That will become your chosen prison that keeps you captive because you do not want to let go. It's like unforgiveness leads to bitterness that will kill all your joy and gladness and keep you trapped in that cellmate prison when Jesus has set us free. But I know it, it can be a huge change. It can change all of who you are. People might say you're a totally different person. But that's a good thing. That's what the Lord is leading you into. From one degree to glory to the next. That we continue to change. 
until Jesus comes back. Paul talks about what sin is. He says it's a rebellion against God. Distrust. Paul says, he writes, that one of the sins is idolatry. Jesus is not enough. I want to be more important. I am more worthy or better than God or Jesus. Sometimes we can't do this alone. My friend John, he told me one time, hey, you need to help me. And we want to help one another. I can't do it by myself. So we pray for one another. We tell each other the gospel. We keep each other accountable. And we say, this is my sin. Help me. I want to lay this down, but it's really difficult. And we can speak the truth and say, that sin is killing you. This is not life. Jesus is true life. We can pray for one another. We can encourage one another. And we need to keep saying that in Christ Jesus, we can kill our sin, not trying to manage it, not trying to tame it. Because you know what? It will always come out. Then why? Why do we need to do this? Paul is clear. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. The wrath of God is going to come because of these things, because of our rebellion against God. That's why Jesus died for us to be set free from this. The wrath of God is coming. Then Paul names these examples. He says, and it's like people say, oh, the Bible is so old, you know. Yes, but these examples are totally like it was from taken from today. Sexual immorality, always been an issue. Impurity, evil desires. I like that other people get hurt. I rejoice when people fail. Covetousness. I mean. Okay, so in the Old Testament, <laughs> when Moses got and even in Cain and Abel, and even back to the Garden of Eden and the apple, covetousness has been there all the time. Now it's just exploded because you can see what everyone has by the scroll of your fingers. Covetousness, desiring what other people have. Oh, that person has a great life. I want that. That person has that. I want that. All these sins lead us into idol worship of another God. We become, we become as we want those other things we start worshipping those things or ourselves power, money, fame, control all those things but Paul is clear the wrath of God is coming because of those sins and idolatry I, I'm not going to say much I'll try to make this re- the wrath of God is real it's, it's totally real. I mean, I know people in in our culture really don't want to talk about it a lot. But it's clear. Paul says, like, wrath of God is coming. And if you're out there on the internet or in here and you have a problem with that, then that's very strange. Very strange. I've, ever since I became a Christian, I've found it so strange that people have an issue with this. Because a God who is not serious about sin is an evil, weird God. 
Of course God will have wrath against sin. It destroys people and everyone else. Of course God has wrath towards that. It would make no sense if he didn't. We see it throughout the Bible that God breaks out. And these are where people that are <laughs> don't like the guy that was wrathful get really nervous. And it's like, oh, I don't like those passages. Well, it would be even worse if God wasn't wrathful towards sin. Of course he is. It would be a very strange God if he wasn't. Because what if God didn't care about all the injustice, about everybody being hurt? We have to remember that God loves people way more than we do. So it's ridiculous to think that a God doesn't have wrath towards sin. When we destroy one another with our words, attitudes, and all sorts of things, why would we think that God's not annoyed or really wrathful? I can see it with my kids. If my kids mess with each other for real, like for, for, to hurt each other on purpose, I get extremely angry. I was like, what are you doing? Kathleen's laughing because he has the same. We love our kids. So we don't like that they hurt each other. Of course, God doesn't do the same. Now we got really long anyway. Okay, but, uh, okay, so God has wrath towards sin. He has to have that to be a holy, just God. Um, so he's, he's, he's warning against that. And then I'll skip over that. Except the last part. The culmination of God's wrath is nailing sin to death. Where? Through his son on the cross. Killing sin. That's why we can kill sin because God did it in Christ Jesus. And so if you don't like the wrath of God, then get out of the way. God has provided a way through his son Jesus. So stop being comp- complaining about who God is and run to Jesus instead. And then you're not in the way of the wrath of God. It was written way better, but okay. Um, <laughs> there's some very encouraging things. If you look in your Bible, look at it. You can look and see. We read, what do we reread? We are not to walk in the ways of the sin that Paul mentioned. He writes and puts, puts them away, and he mentions the, those things, and then he mentions a bunch of other things, anger, wrath, land, I've seen things. Uh, we instead to grow in holiness. We're not to lie to one another. These parts, a lot of these is also about how we speak to one another, the power of the tongue. Jesus talks about it. John talks about it. But here we come to it. Like Paul says, because you have put off the old self. It's a strong encouragement there. To, that he knows that they are in Christ and they have put off the old garments. And instead, put on your new self. And what about the new self? That's an amazing part. You look there in that verse. In verse 10. And you have put on the new self, which is being renewed 
in the knowledge after the image of its creator. All human beings are created in the image of God. The fall fractures this image. What Paul is saying, as you take off the old self and put on the new self, that image is being restored, and you reflect, again, the image of God, and you are being renewed in the image of God, in the image of Jesus. Because you put out, we put off the old self and put off the new and I was just like, oh, what great joy is that? We've been talking about putting sin to this, but I was like, I was just like, I'm going to encourage you so much. And so I was like, but if you are in Christ, that's true. You've put off the old self. You've put on the new. And you are being renewed from one glory, from one each sense of glory to the next. You, the old self will put on with all its shame, pill pain and guilt and wrath of God. Instead, you've been, you have put on the new that's been renewed and you can walk in that. Not falling for the schemes of the evil one. Not needing to justify yourself. Not needing to put down others, but be satisfied in Christ. Trust in him. Not slandering, not complaining, but being filled with joy as we are in Christ. And then there would, of course, be no need to lie or cover up my sin because I expose it, kill it, and walk in my new life. And then Paul, he ends the part in 11 and says, you know, when all those things are true, when all those things are true, and he mentions about then it's not about the rules. It's not about where we come from. It's not whether you're a Jew or Gentile or barbarian or anything. And we can see that in our church. You're not worth more because you're from Poland or Denmark or the U.S. or China. You're not worth more. You're not worth... Uh, yeah, there's no distinction. And it's just like... Here there is not Greek, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, citizen, and free, but Christ is in all and in all. Because in the church, when Christ fills everyone, it's about who Christ is. And that's where value, dignity, and worth comes from. Not from where we come from, not from how much money we have, or how smart we are, or what, how much education we have but because of what Christ has done in us. And that is exactly the focus because there's no way we're going to kill sin. There's no death to sin if we're continuing to think we're in our old self or if you are in your old self and you're not giving your heart and mind and soul to Jesus. If Christ is not our Savior, we can't put sin to death, then we're still in prison. But so we can't do it by our own will and our own strength. But turning to Jesus for salvation, redemption, trusting Jesus' work, that's why Paul writes. He says, because you have put off the old self, then drop all those things from your old life. You used to walk this way. Stop doing that. Stop, watch your mouth. 
in a short sentence. Watch how you speak about each other. Don't do the things you used to do, but be satisfied in who Jesus Christ is. That he has made it possible for you to be free, take off your old self, put on your new self that's being renewed in the image of God. And Paul continues to press and says he continues to to call them to holiness as he addresses what, what they speak about. We talked about that. There's much more about this subject. There, there's many good things, and there's, only, there's also Romans 6, and you can look up, and you can just even just Google, and we can find what does it mean to put sin to death. There's John Owen's classical, it's a very old book, Mordecai of Sin. But I actually really think it's a very, very important thing. Because I think maybe sometimes we walk around with old clothing. Or, no, we walk around with new clothing, but we think it's old. And we've forgotten that there's new clothes. We've fallen for the schemes of the evil one that we need to hold on to things that Jesus says we should lay down and have true life. And, ju- and you know, the hope and the trust that Jesus has done this uh, <laughs> I apologize. There was supposed to be a slide, but I missed it. To, uh, this slide <laughs> uh, was like five points of summation. Uh, but the last one is five. It is finished. Jesus has done it. But let's encourage one another that he has and on whatever sin we have in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit those things can be put to death and we can help one another by being accountable by putting it into light helping one another saying yet yeah, this is really true there is freedom in Christ and sin can actually be put to death not because you go like Argh! not because we experience that Jesus Christ is better than whatever we're holding on to. Let's pray together. Jesus, I ask that you would help us to submit whatever we have in our hands to you. I can't and we can't put sin to death, but you can and trusting that we are in Christ, trusting you set us free, trusting you took off our old self and put on our new self. We can relive in that reality. God, may you grant us to see that it is finished in Jesus. Help us to make this practical in our lives. Help us to be provoked and encouraged by John Owen, the to see what things we can put to death. Lord, help us to not play around with sin, but expose it and kill it.
I pray that that will help us to live boldly and firmly rooted in you, Jesus, knowing that you are in the heavenly places praying for us. Knowing that you are making all things new. And you're changing us day by day into the image of God. I pray for each person here. Pray against the enemy and his schemes and effects. Pray against any condemnation. I hear that we will all hear this an invitation into you, Jesus. An invitation to close the fellowship. Invitation to live freely for you. So we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.